So I would actually like get on the phones with my friends and see how my cadence was with them and talk to them like 10 minutes before splits and then try to just keep that energy instead of like, hi, this is so-and-so and did I pitch you at a bad time? That's not how I talk. I'd be like, hey, this is Caroline. How yes. are you today? Like it just changes everything. Having an uptone or different inflections because you are reading, but you don't want to seem like it. Hi, I'm Mark Gagne. And I'm Chris Corcoran, and you're listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Tech Sales for Hustlers is a podcast where we catch up with Memory Blue alums and reminisce about their start in high-tech sales with us. Let's go get some, Corcoran. Gagne, you know I'm ready. Caroline Myers, back in the Memory Blue Denver office. Back. Where it all began. Yes. In the great state of Colorado for you. In well, Bross. in DC, no. actually. DC. Yeah, the, yep. she, the pride of Loudoun County. <laughs> That's right. You're a local. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That I knew. Okay. Yep. A little jet lag still. You know, okay. Elevations <laughs> getting in my head. Yeah. Well, let's kind of get into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself for us and for, for the purposes of the listeners. Mm-hmm. So my name is Caroline. I yep. graduated from Virginia Tech. Where would you grow up? Sorry about that. Oh, I grew up in Fairfax and Loudoun County. Okay. I moved in between middle school. I was a cheerleader throughout high school, okay. so that's kind of where I got my competitive energy. Competitive cheer. Yeah. Right? High yeah. school and competitive. Yeah, yeah. People don't know that. Yeah. It's legit. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. So <laughs> I learned how to hustle from that. Yeah. And then I went to Virginia Tech. Well, what were you like? Let's go back from this. Like, so siblings? Yes. I have an older sister yep. who just had a baby making me an aunt for the first time. Yeah, you were back in town for that? Mm-hmm. Really good. You should come by the office and do a fireside with the yeah the SDRs. In I'm Virginia. always happy to hop back yeah. over. So I know you go back to Virginia fairly often. Yeah. And so, but you and a sister? I have an older sister and a younger brother. Okay, so you're the middle child. I am the middle. To competitive, mm-hmm. kid. What did you think you wanted to be growing up when you were in high school? Would you go to high school? I went to Stonebridge High School. Okay, okay, I got the it. Bulldogs. Okay, the go Bulldogs. <laughs> there you go. What did I want to be? What I did you think really you wanted know. to be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to be in a leadership position and I wanted to make money. That was the goal for me. Okay. Yeah. But you didn't know. But I didn't know what that meant. Anyone in tech sales growing up? My dad works at Oracle. Okay. Um, So he was like on the sales engineering side. Okay. And he just switched into hardware sales. All right. Okay. So Recently or when you were growing up? Recently. Okay. Got it. Okay. So he joined, joined the dark side. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> he probably has more credibility than all the sales guys. Yeah. Right. Because he's a sales engineer before. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you you weren't sure on sales. You just knew. I wasn't sure. I went into college undecided. Uh-huh. I was business minded. And where'd you go to school? Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Yeah. What are talking about? So I'm a Hokie. I went in undecided, did like a communications route, did a little bit of PR, and was like, this isn't it for me. So I switched into marketing. So that was in the Pamplin School of Business. Um, and that's where I wanted to get my degree from. And then I was sitting in my marketing class and Brian Collins came in, the sales professor there. Yeah. Chris, tell us about Brian Collins for the listeners. Legend. Legend. One word, legend. <laughs> what year was this of college? This was my junior year. So you were sitting in a general business class or a marketing class? Yep. So junior year, fall, junior or spring? Fall. Fall Virginia. So Brian Collins runs a sales program. Locks in tech. and yep. is like, 80% of you are going to end up in sales anyways. Let me show you how to do it. Yes. That's the stat. 80% of marketing majors end up in sales. 
he told me they had 100% job placement rate. They told me that they were going to find me a job in the tech industry. So I literally switched my classes in my marketing class that day to join the sales program. Much to the chagrin. I don't know if the marketing professors care about that or not, but, but <laughs> it's like the guy coming in and just taking, I guess it's true. It is. Yeah. I mean, I've even had SDRs come here and they're like, I want to get into marketing. And I'm like, you're going to learn that here. So yes, stay in this and then you're going to move on to the position that you want. This zoom in on that a little bit. Sure. Tell us what that means. You're going to learn about marketing because a lot of people, you can't get a tech job. Can't get it. It's very difficult. It's not very hard to get a market, into a marketing job at a tech company coming mm-hmm. out. But so, but you've used, you run into somebody who's a junior at tech who wants to senior at tech, but dive into that. I mean, going into marketing, you're probably going to start in sales anyways, because like you said, that entry level role just doesn't really exist. Yeah. So coming in as an SCR, you're going to see how the marketing team and the sales team works together. Mm-hmm. And then you can make a more educated decision on, do you want to go to marketing or do you want to go to sales? Yeah. I was the sales route. I was like, I don't really care about pushing out graphics and things like that. That's yeah. not what like gets me going. I like to talk to people. I like mm-hmm. the game of it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm being towards sales. Yeah. It's very valuable. It, I, you don't see a lot of people from marketing coming into the SCR world. You see people from the SCR world going to marketing. Right. Because you get some street cred in the position. It's one of the hardest positions, and you can really do anything after it if you mm-hmm. can get through this. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. If you can get through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got experience getting people through it, which we'll get to. Yeah. We had someone on the podcast yesterday, and I remember going out here about your board. Oh. Uh, well, we'll talk about that. Oh, I mean, board. just love yeah. how you run your team or run your team. Okay. All right. So did you decide that moment in time that you were going to switch? Colin just walked out of the room or did you have to think about it? Or I literally had switched my classes before he left the room. Before he left the room. Yeah. I was on like in our portal switching to the sales concentration, yeah. which means my last year and a half was just like 18 credits of sales classes back to back to get that concentration. Wow. That's so cool. That even exists. Chris and I were there back in the Stone Age. Yeah. What? Was that like taking those sales classes? Like, I don't even know. It's super surface level of like, here's typically how sales processes work. You're Mm going to be making cold calls. This is what it looks like. I mean, the program was new when I went through it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's gotten even more robust now. And like doing more role plays and hands-on things. But I was just learning the basics of it and what it actually meant to be in a sales role in any industry. Would you do it again? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Okay. How to, so how so you're you're in your junior year, getting your senior year, doing all the fun things you do in Blacksburg. What did you think you were gonna do? Where are you gonna work? I wasn't sure. I was trying to figure out industries. I was like, I could go med device, I could go tech. I there's so many, right? Mm-hmm. But I met Memory Blue at okay. the sales career fair day. Yep. My senior year in the fall. You be, okay, got it. So I okay, got it. So, Caroline, before you passed your intern, you had an internship, right? I had quite a few internships. Yes. So, tell us, did you have a sales internship? Yeah. So, my first sales internship was a home healthcare company called First Choice. It was super small. I had met the owner of that through a previous internship. I had internships even before I went to college. I was just working every summer to get some cash going in. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first time I was like on the road, going to doctor's offices, bringing them lunches, 
seeing how people sell that way, which is very kind of like on the ground, boots on the ground selling style. Then I took that experience and flipped it to have Frito Lay give me an internship in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I was on a chip truck delivering chips from 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. Really? <laughs> yes. And that was the sales rep role for that industry. How did you get that internship? I met them through Virginia Tech. Okay. And then okay. I wanted to live not in Virginia for the summer. And they had a Charlotte location. So what was that like? Yeah. It was very interesting. It was a lot of hard work. I didn't really understand like what that sales role would look like because going from healthcare to food and beverage and then tech is a whole nother whirlwind of it. So yeah, that was again, boots on the ground, long hours and just seeing like a whole nother side of the universe that I didn't know existed. Was that more like delivery and merchandising? Yes. And then so did- we were... Popping you- and lacing chips in gas stations. Yeah, I did something similar for Pepsi. So going through that, did you say, did that show you, hey, I know I don't want to do this? Or did you think about pursuing it? That I knew I didn't want to do. Not that there's anything wrong with the food and bev sales world. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. wanted to be more strategic, more like business oriented with it, almost like a consultant. I didn't just want to have a transactional day to day. But good experience nevertheless. Great experience. All my internships taught me what I did and did not want to do. So I would do it again if I had the opportunity. That's great. How did you know to do all these internships? I mean, I totally glossed over this. So you well, had... She, Mark, she, she told you her dad worked for Oracle. So I mean, yeah. obviously she's getting good advice. Both my parents. My mom, she worked at Fannie Mae and she was always like, being a woman, you need to have your own money. And to get your own money, you were going to have to work harder. So I was in offices asking for internships before I even started my freshman year. I did get my first one through like my friend's dad who just hired me on a whim, but that led into like so many other opportunities. That's great. Cause when you have one or two of these things, you get the ball rolling. Yes. Right. Cause you can talk about these internships and the interviews with the other internships. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what about your mom and your mom? Woman's got her own money. Tell me about that. I mean, we're one of the first generations that can do this. You know, like I moved out 1,500 miles away on my own. It didn't exist before 20 years ago. Really, people had to get married to be living the life that they wanted to. And she just wanted me to be independent and on my own and have everything that I need Mm -hmm. because of myself and not rely on other people. Sure. That's great advice. So you're rocking these. Hey, 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 Caroline. So the key is is to make sure a guy doesn't become reliant on you. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the latest move of society. Mm-hmm. Really? So how do I get one of those moves? <laughs> Someone teach me that move. Okay. I, wow. So you had this wealth of experience. Did that alter what you wanted to do when you went into the career fairs? Like, did you? So you kind of had an idea, but you were still kind of open minded to things. Yeah, super open-minded. I knew I didn't want to be on a chip truck. That was really what I got. I knew I didn't want to be in the healthcare industry Mm -hmm. after my experience with that. I even had a like marketing internship, and that's kind of where I learned that I'm not super passionate about this. So going into the career fairs, I was like, what else is there? And saw the big elephant on a table and walked up and they were like, We're in the tech industry. And I was like, I haven't done that yet. What you got for me? And that's 
kind of how it all started. What do you remember from that? I was talking to Libby Galatis, who was my yeah. recruiter, and we just kind of like clicked instantly. She was like super outgoing, super well-spoken and told me that she thinks that I would be good at this. Let's continue a conversation. Yeah. So I said, great. Took my little poker chip with her number on it, went about my day. And then the next day was the big Business Horizons career fair. So I went back to Memory Blue. Met even more people. I don't even remember at this point yeah, who was right. there, but loved everybody that I spoke to. Everybody had great things to say about the company. Then we went to a happy hour and, you know, yeah. Blue happy hours in Blacksburg. Super fun. Yeah. At top of the stairs, getting drinks with everybody. Um, and everybody was super transparent. Like, this is going to be hard, but here's what you're going to learn and you're going to have the support for it. And I was like, that's what I need in a first job. Yeah. Wow. That's exactly what you needed. So you start with this. This is during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. What was that like? So you ended up working, coming to work. How was your experience different? I was fully remote my first six months. Yeah. So it was difficult transitioning to that. It was the first time the world had been like. But the support that I had through my teammates, my mentors, my manager, everybody was checking in on me throughout the day. So I never felt like stranded on an island. But then once I moved to Denver and we started coming back in the office, I was like, this is the energy that the sales yeah. needs because it is such a different ball game. Yeah. So we'll get to that. So you started in Virginia. Who was your DM? Stacy. Stacy was. Oh, yeah, wow. Like, Lucky oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> she's tough. She's tough, but she's knowledgeable. She holds you accountable to what you say you're going to do. Like I'm the one that's bringing my goals to her. So of course <laughs> I have to hit them. Why wouldn't I? She's the one making sure I do. <laughs> I wish it was that simple all the time. <laughs> So then, it would tell me about your team. So you had, you had a, you had a virtual team, right? Virtual team. Yeah. Who who's on your squad? Would oh you? my gosh, Bianca Barris. Oh, okay. Yep. Austin Redden. Yep. Shan Pierce. Yes. Sydney Soul. Wow. Jake Voorhees. Yeah. Man. Oh, Emily Prendergast ended up joining yes. after me. I don't want to miss anybody. That's all right. <laughs> you come back. You yeah. Put them up. You give a shout out when you post this on LinkedIn. Talk this about the learning the roles. You had some sales experience. Talk about being an SDR. What was that like? It was jarring yeah. at first. Who picks up the phone and calls a hundred strangers a day? Right. <laughs> but they really just like throw you in and give you the coaching to get better every single day. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. literally remember my first phone call, my first C-Whip. Tell us about what client was it for? I was on BlackBerry ad hoc. Okay. I called this guy named Rich at a police station somewhere. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. And Stacy was teasing me the whole time. I don't even remember what I said, but it was an 11 minute conversation and I ended up booking it. Whoa. So I had no experience, didn't even know what I was saying, but with the coaching, the support, got the meeting. Wow. What, what did you get good at in the role? Like, so you're working for Stacy, working virtually, working on BlackBerry ad hoc. That was like the product, right? Mm-hmm. What, as you're learning this, kind of what became a superpower for you? I think mine was active listening. Like I got really good at just parroting back what people are saying. It seems easy to do, but I think it's super underrated and people forget to do it. Literally using their words against them, not only over the phone, but I got really good at it over email and LinkedIn too. Tell, tell us this, dig into that. So what do you mean people, it's easy to do, but people don't do it. Like, why don't, why don't? Well, all you have to do is say what was just said to you, right? And it seems 
Like anybody can just repeat something, but that takes the conversation into a whole nother route because that's going to get them to talk more. So Mm -hmm. saying, oh, I don't have time for this right now. Well, you said you don't have time for that. And then asking a question, they're going to go back into that conversation. And why don't you see people do more of it? Because I know, I remember, you know, we listen to calls and people forget to use what the prospect's saying to help, you know, accelerate the conversation. I mean, new SDRs, new to the industry, every organization has their own dictionary of acronyms. You're just inundated with information. And I think you're just constantly thinking about what's the next thing to say. Just taking a step back taking a deep breath and repeating what somebody said back to you is going to get that conversation going regardless of what you do or do not know at that point in time. So that was just like, I don't know what to say next. I'm going to say what you just said to me. And it always led to a deeper conversation. That's a good tactic. And because you can master it, that can be so influential Mm -hmm. in conversations, right? Do you use that now? We'll get to this, but now you're closing, Mm -hmm. right? Do you use that as well? Almost all of my calls, all of my emails. I'm taking notes during discovery calls and I'm putting the words that they say in my follow up emails yes. and my cadences later on. You said this was important. So why don't we do this now? Like, mm-hmm. All of those are skills that I learned here. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I wonder if the prospects even know you're using their words. Sometimes when you say it like you did, they do, but other times you can use some of the terminology they use and mm-hmm. compare it to back or, or you interweave it into your conversational speak. There's got to be a connection there. So, but sometimes I wonder. Okay, so you, how did else did you learn when you were virtual? Like, did you learn from other people? Like, how, how did you kind of progress? Because part of the value is like seeing you named all these people. Mm-hmm. So, you all, how did you learn from them? And who was probably the best of that group besides Ooh, yourself? The best of the group. Yeah, I'm calling totally you out. We were all talking. Oh, come on. By the end of it. <laughs> but, but, but who, who, who was it? Who do you remember being like this person? The most like passionate people were Shannon and Austin. Okay. They had an energy that was just like, we're not going to let you sink. We're going to pick you up. Let's do this. And I was filling Austin's shoes. He had been top 10 on the DHR on a longstanding client. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come in and mess this up. So I got to learn from him by shadowing and listening yep. virtually. Bianca Barris was not my, is it Barris? I think so. Okay. That's how she wasn't my that. mentor, but she was constantly on the phone with me, like okay. today, why not? Like asking me those questions that Stacy would ask. And then Aaron McCann was my mentor. And he's awesome, good yeah. guy. Yeah. I learned so much <laughs> of just like how to be yourself from him because it works for him. Yeah. So I don't know. Everybody just had their own little tips and tricks for me. And I just tried to absorb it as best I could. When you're an SDR, learn this outbound part, right? 100 calls, calling strangers, and we're trying to teach you these tactics. But you also, I think sometimes people get lost in who they are as a person when they're trying to, maybe they're trying to be something that they're not on the call or like, you know, all the psychological shock and trauma of being it. How important is it to be yourself once you kind of get acclimated to the tactics, right? Because you don't learn, you learn that tactic to parrot mm-hmm. or to repeat, but talk about that because i think that's a uh, that's a path that people go out when they did session that was like a big struggle for me is i was too strict and like business and i wasn't being fun on the phone mm-hmm. and it was hurting my conversations Interesting. um so i would actually like get on the phones with my friends 
and see how my cadence was with them and talk to them like 10 minutes before blitz and then try to just keep that energy going into my really? calls instead of like, hi, this is so-and-so. Did I catch you at a bad time? That's not how I talk. I'd be like, hey, this is Caroline. How yes. are you today? Like it just changes everything. Having an uptone or different inflections because you are reading, but you don't want to seem like it. Yeah. And you only read for a little bit because mm-hmm. once you get good at it. But yeah. so that's fascinating. I tried to do that with Cork when I first heard my sales career. He didn't want to help me. <laughs> so, you know. So, <laughs> so you would call friends before the blitz to yeah. try and make sure you didn't get into like robot mode. I was either blasting Cardi B yeah. or I was on the phone with friends. <laughs> <laughs> Cardi B is just your, just your theme song. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that's so helpful. And that was that kind of allowed you to kind of get in the not character, but get into the mindset and yeah. like kind of be confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it gets better the more you do it, right? It allowed me to get out of character almost. I'm not an SCR on the phone. I'm just a person chatting with you about your day. Mark, we're listening to someone who takes their profession seriously. Someone who's warming up before game time, right? Some people drink like coffee or tea to kind of loosen up their vocal cords. You're out there actually conversating to, to warm up your vocal cords so you can bring that conversational tone right into your calls. A lot of people just start like, hey, just I'll start talking when it's time to start talking. But you showed up ready to play. And that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it gets you the mindset. Yeah. I mean, that's something I preach to my team all the time is you're professionals. And Memory Blue tends to hire athletes and backgrounds of competitive spirits. So getting in there and making sure that you're treating this like a profession is important. You're not just playing work today, you know? So I got a question for you. This moves more into kind of a leadership perspective. So why do you think that you're sharing something, a best practice that has worked for you and you've proven that it works? Why do so many people hear it and ignore it? It's just an extra step. Nobody wants to do more work. It's one more thing to think about. I have 10 minutes before to do this. I I could go and scroll through Instagram or I could get my game face on to book a meeting. People don't want to do the extra step. So that's something I always told my SDRs, do what others want. And that's what's going to set you apart. Spoken like a delivery manager (laughs) at Memory Blue. A leader. People don't want to do the extra work, Chris. If your sales team struggles to hit quota or generate qualified leads, Memory Blue's Academy Prospecting Principles Training Program is the solution. Great sales training is time intensive and requires continuous guidance from sales experts. In this six-week course, our world-class facilitators use a hands-on learning approach to turn raw talent into industry-leading salespeople. From building targeted outreach lists to strategically overcoming objections, the key prospecting skills taught here create the foundation for strong sales performance. Our proven training cuts SDR ramp time in half and increases quota attainment by 89%. New cohorts launch twice per month. Head to memoryblue.com academy to see upcoming dates and secure your seat today. So let's keep progressing. So you're doing your thing. What do you think you wanted to do? Because you were living in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, and talk about the transition you made. How, how did you identify that? And where did you think you wanted to go with yourself as you kind of settled into the role working with Stacey, working with the team? Yeah. So I was 
remote, right? And living in DC, there's not a lot of things to do outside. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I've lived here my whole life. What else is there? Memory Blue had just opened the office. I talked to Nikki, who ended up being my roommate. Mm -hmm. um, sweet plush. <laughs> oh, 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 we're not just going to walk that pass. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Come back to that. <laughs> so I had like talked to some of the people and it was great. And then Stacy was like, I'm going to support you. Like Memory Blue gave me all the support to do this. My parents gave me the support. So my mom and I packed up everything I owned, put my dog in the car and drove across the country for a couple of days. So cool. And then once I got here, I was working East Coast hours, still on Stacy's team. But then she ended up transitioning out. And I was like, this is perfect. Then Denver started coming back into the office. And then I transitioned to Julia's team, new team, new client, new everything pretty much. Are you glad you made the move? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. What do you like the, the most about living out here in Colorado? I mean, the views, the mountains, the skiing, of course, but I've really found like lifelong friends here. Yeah. I've lived with memory blue people. Yeah. I hang out with memory blue people on a daily basis, pretty much. And then everybody just has like their own network of friends. So I've just like really created a life out here for myself, yeah. which was obviously the goal, but I wasn't sure of how everything was going to turn out. Turns out, turned out pretty well. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> so when you're out here, what was it like coming back into the office? What was that like? I mean, it's a lot getting up every day and you're not just like rolling out of bed and logging on your computer. Once you get here, the energy on the floor, dialing with the people next to you, it really changes everything. Like mm -hmm. I always told my SDRs getting hung up on in my parents' basement was a lot sadder than getting hung up <laughs> on here. <laughs> And being able to laugh about it with people. So then it turned into a game. Like, how many times can I get hung up on just because I asked too many questions? And yeah. Just started, like, gamifying the whole experience to keep myself interested. That's a that's a epic quote. Getting hung up on your in your parents' basement <laughs> is a lot more sad when you're in your parents' basement <laughs> than it is when you're in, in the office. office yeah. But it's true. Mm -hmm. So how long were you out here before you became a DM? And what inspired you to want to be a DM? Mm. Until a delivery manager or a sales development manager for people listening. Yeah. So I was in office here from January to May. And okay. that is when I made my transition to have my own team. And honestly, like watching Stacy build up her team around me and all these people getting hired out and promoted and just like great people getting great things for themselves. I wanted to give that back because I would have never found Memory Blue if it wasn't for honestly like libby stacy and simone who yes simone. recruiting Boom. and selling me on everything and telling me i'd be great but also it's going to be hard work so i just i wanted to be that person for somebody else yeah and that and so did you know you want to be a dm before you came out to colorado did it happen when you were here it happened when i was here because the office was growing the opportunity popped up and i was honestly ready for it yeah um, i'd been in sdr for about 10 months which yep. obviously isn't a long time but i kind of been there done that on some campaigns yep. and was itching for my next yeah, so for your next big thing so you became a delivery manager talk about that role it is the most fun challenging <laughs> Of role you could probably have. It's a very difficult role. <laughs> yeah. But you learned so much from I that. learned so much. I learned how to have tough conversations. I learned what people do and do not like from a management perspective. It was just like 
going from the hiring process, I'd never hired anybody to watching them get promoted. That was what I wanted to do. It's fulfilling. Yeah. Talk about how you ran your team though, day to day. I think this is really <laughs> impressive. So my team dubbed themselves the Myers Militia by the, the end of my the Myers Militia. <laughs> tenure here. I hope that's a Militia is an okay word for me to use on podcast. I'm a whole bit upset. You used it. It's not a bad Keep going. Yeah. Myers and it's Militia. because we came in and we were structured with our day and everybody took their shit seriously. Yeah. Back of a better term. Yes. It was getting in here at eight o'clock, warming up. I had my SDRs not do what I did because nobody wants to blast Cardi B with me, but doing their own version of that. Yes. And then getting on the phones, dialing their entire time through. You booked a meeting. Great. When's the best time to get a next one after your first one. So that was kind of like the idea of it. And everybody knew exactly what they had to get done that day to have a successful day. So by the end of it, they were running themselves. And I was just like, good job. <laughs> they were running themselves by the end of it. And what do you mean? So if people were here at eight, did you, they have the answer to you or what do you need? <laughs> what what if it's been rolled in at 825? Oh, you got extra dials. Okay. Yeah. So there's a consequence. Yes. Yeah. So you're one minute late to blitz. Would you be one minute late for your client call? Nope. All right. Then why are you doing it here? Those are the types of conversations of like, yeah, don't do it. Do what you would for your client. Even if you won't do it for yourself. That makes sense. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. What was it like learning to interview people? I think I could have been friends with so many people and that's who you kind of want to hire, but that didn't always end up being the best person for the position. A huge thing for me was creating a diverse team of different types of people, backgrounds, everything, so that they could learn from each other. I didn't want just one way to do something while my way worked for me and the groundwork worked for everybody else. They all still had their little nuances of how they wanted to do it. And I was there to support and encourage and kind of shine a light on that. Yeah. How do you, knowing you want a diverse team, which is important for all sorts of reasons, like yeah. technique on the phone, email, the job, but awesome life too. How did you try and ask people for achievement? I looked at- These clients are relentless, right? Yeah. The clients want results. I mean, we asked the question, what's the toughest goal you've ever achieved? And that said a lot about how high are you setting your goals? And then if you didn't achieve it, can you tell me why? And like, is that valid? So really digging into those ones. And then the other question that I loved is what's the biggest misconception that people have about you? That's like interview one question. And so many people will just say that they're not that great and not have a reason why they can't be great <laughs> so interesting yeah it's like catching these little things through our question flow to show like are you gonna come in and put your head down and work for me or yeah it's not gonna work out caroline what's the biggest misconception people have about you that i'm mean <laughs> <laughs> i'm not mean i'm strict I want the best for everybody, even if that's not what you feel like doing tonight. I know it's going to get you to where you want to be. So I'm going to be that voice of reason. And I think being a woman in a leadership position, too, it's easy to get put in with a group of angry women. That's not the case. This is an excuse. <laughs> who's, who's more strict, you or, or Stacy? Ooh, I would say Stacy. Okay. 
Yeah. But, I, but I, she, she would be who I would want to, I'd want her to be my DM. I mean, I, I was lucky to have her as a DM. I would not change anything about it. I think when I took over the role though, I was like, okay, what as an SDR, did I need a little more of a little less of, and just kind of took her mentality and made it for my team. Yeah. You want this. Why do you think so many, from what I've seen is there's a lot of sales leaders that aren't strict and, and don't hold their team accountable because it's not easy, right? So what was it about it that you were able to rise above taking the easy route to hold people accountable? I didn't like punish anybody for not doing their work. It comes back to selling them on their own reasons for why. And that's just asking questions. Why are you coming in late? Don't you want to hit quota? Are you at quota yet? Well, then what's going on here? So I'm not actually like, this is what you need to do. I'm getting my SDRs to tell me what they think they need to do and then holding them accountable to it. So yes, I had a framework, but it went so much deeper than that for like each individual. That's good. So people think you're mean, but you're not mean, you're strict. Yeah. Because sounds like you care about people getting to where they want to go. Right. Everybody needs to be, you're holding people accountable mm -hmm. to those things. You find you, out. If you tell me you're going to do something... I expect it to be done. Yeah. And right. I don't think I'm crazy for that. No, you're not. Not at all. You're not crazy for that. And they remember, they just forget sometimes. Yeah. Hey, Caroline, Caroline, what, so what do you, when you're interviewing, what do you look for in an SDR? I'm looking for competition. So we talked to a lot of athletes, but you're not athletic. Were you fighting with your siblings for like the middle seat? That's a common story we got. Oh, nice. I looked for the toughest school. Is it? graduating college. And if that's the case, why was that such a tough goal for you? I think coming out of Northern Virginia, it's almost like expected for people to graduate and everything. So just understanding where people are coming from is huge. And then I looked for work ethic. Is this your first job? Is this your 10th job in a year? Like what's going on there? So looking at the resume and figuring out why they want to do this. Excellent. So you're doing your thing, your delivery manager, successful one, helping the office grow. Mm -hmm. And then you have a client that you work for now. Talk about kind of where you thought you wanted to go next as you were a delivery manager, what you wanted to accomplish professionally. Yeah. And, and why? So I came to Memory Blue wanting a closing role. I wanted the thrill of closing a deal, saying I did that. And I just took a different path, I guess. Yeah. But in the delivery manager role, you're looking at, up to 10 different clients at a time. As an SDR, I worked on three in 10 months. So I wanted to be a DM to learn more about the industries that we can work yep, with. Yep. And then my first client managed methods. They came in and were tough and had a goal and everything. Um, but I was able to produce good work for them. And Spot opened up on their team for me to be a closer. And I was like, I think I'm ready for this. My yeah team has been promoted or hired out. I pretty much turned them all over in the year that I was here. So it kind of seemed like a natural progression. Absolutely. A current member of the client, his <laughs> methods predated you. You brought brought them, kept working with them, right? Yep. You left, they came back. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing now? And tell us about what the company does. People can understand what you're selling. Yeah. So I'm selling cybersecurity platform to public schools. Uh -huh. And well, my territory is California specifically. Okay. So basically, we're looking at ways to prevent data loss and keeping people safe online based on the files that they have stored. 
So making sure social security numbers don't get out, no adult images in school domains, student safety is huge too. And that spoke volumes to me. I was working with all these different clients that, yes, they were helping people on a day-to-day basis, but this was something that I could get really passionate about and get behind. And so now I'm basically a glorified SDR. I'm making my dials. I'm getting on the phone. I'm doing cold outbound, but then I get to see it all the way through to that close. So once I get that first meeting, I'm running the demo, doing discovery, and then getting them to a free trial, working through all that. And then I'm also doing trade shows now. So running my own booth at 24 is kind of daunting, but it's been a really fun experience getting to travel back and forth for all that. Yeah. So you're taking the SDR skills you developed in the sad basement of your parents' house. Mm-hmm. Only sad people will help on you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, taking it to Colorado to manage people mm-hmm. and you're, now you're closing, which is great, but you still got to pick up your own stuff. Right. I'm building my own business yep. in California. That's trying how I'm trying to treat it. How long have you had that as your territory? Since I started. It's so about six months now. Six months now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's been the biggest muscle you've had to develop coming out of the SCR role into a, a role now you're responsible for mm-hmm. the whole cradle and grave? Well, I guess coming out of the management role oh, is yeah. getting back on the phones daily. That phone fear, it stays with you. There's just like day-to-day ups and downs. So getting back into it. But I think the biggest thing I took away is the consistency that Memory Blue taught me. Memory Blue doesn't just teach you how to sell or how to be an AE. They teach you what it takes to be a great one because nobody's doing what we're doing. So while I'm not hammering out 150 dials anymore because I have other things to do, I'm still on the phones daily making sure I get things done. Yeah. Walk us through one of your days. People don't know. What's the day like for someone who's closing? Yeah. So I'm on the phones. Uh, Since I'm calling West Coast, I'll probably start dialing around 930, 10, -hmm. dial for an hour. Then I'm following up with all those people that I just called, same as an SDR. But then I'm doing small touch points of people that I've already gotten in free trial, making sure they're doing well, building new names still because you have to have people to call the next day. Big on LinkedIn outreach, even though I've gotten banned a couple times. No, just temporarily. <laughs> just temporarily. Yes. And then just building quotes and like learning how to do demos of technology is a whole muscle to flex. So just learning. Do you have a favorite win? A deal that you uh, memorable? I do. So tell us about it. My first quarter, I'm on a ramp quota. I was only $65,000, but I'm, obviously I'm coming in with nothing. Right. I'm in California with David and David's we're waiting. CEO. Yes. Yep. And we're at a call. On a- we're at lunch because we had just gone to like a customer okay. visit and we're waiting for this one PO that we've been talking about for weeks now. And then I get one that comes in and it was only $3,600, but it was my first one and I sourced the meeting. So yep. like that was a big win. Yeah. And then the next day, maybe a couple of days later, we got the PO for the big one I was waiting for, and that was 75K for my first oh, yeah. for my first big one. Yeah. What about did that got away? Well, what, what lessons have you learned from like from things? So you got some wins, but what are some things you've learned as a professional sales, you know, a tech sales professional about deals? Yeah. Everybody has their own timeline uh-huh. and you can't be too pushy with it. <laughs> 
while it's the end of our quarter, they don't actually care. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> they, don't, they don't care. I wouldn't say I've lost this deal yet. Yeah. But there was definitely a moment where I was like, oh, maybe that was a little too many phone calls that week or yeah. just a little too much. Because here we're hammering it out, right? But yeah. It's totally different. different once you're like talking to them a few times. Yeah. I have a question for you. Women in sales. We hit on this a little bit earlier with your mom telling me, look, you're part of a new generation of young women in life and in business. <laughs> we talk to clients quite a bit and you know, other people say, yes, yeah, you some more women in the tech sales world. So why do you think there are less and how do you think we can get more? I mean, sales is risky. Mm-hmm. And I think women tend to be a little more risk averse, mm-hmm. trying to think more logically and like, okay, yes, I could make 100K, but I could also make 50. What does that actually look like? Um, So I think it's just a learning curve of what it means to be in sales. Like I had no idea until Libby and I sat down and Stacey and I sat down. And then how can we get more educating if the issue is (laughs) lack of knowledge? Going to campuses, telling them that like, yes, it's risky, but People have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. People that don't have the talent that you do. So mm-hmm. you should get into this. I just. It's exposing you. So yeah. I don't think it's a conversation that people have. Hey, Mark. So I mean, my stance on this whole thing is number one, these university sales programs. So first off, there's more women graduating from college than there are men. Number one. Number two, if you talk to Brian Collins, you talk to the other professors that are working within these sales programs. If you ask them who are their strongest students by far and away it's the females so just convincing them to get into the sales program and getting that education i think that's part of, of what needs to ha- start to happen and like it kind of accidentally happened to caroline yeah <laughs> but you had people kind of in and around sales you took these internships though like business experience mm-hmm. there tend to be more sales internships properly than other ones maybe and yeah it's like, you know, the tech technical ones but but even then, it still wasn't like something that you were sure. It's, so it's a combination of things. Yeah. Chris, why do you think all the best students are women, typically? I mean, what do you think, Caroline? If Chris goes I, I, well, I will know. I mean, I think, I think women treat schools more serious than men, by and large. They're, they're not as reckless. I mean, all, all the things that, yeah. that you see, uh, that I've seen with my kids and I've seen with people in society and, and growing up. And that, why do you think all of our clients want more women? They're like steady and they're stronger. So that's why. Well, something you said with like Brian Collins saying that women are his strongest. I'm a huge Shark Tank fan. Yeah. And Mark Mark Cuban said that all of his best businesses that he's invested in are run by women. And I think it's because we have a little more at stake and we're a little bit more empathetic too. So we're going to go the distance and we're going to be listening to people. And that's where that like consultative comes in. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just sell you chips off of a truck. I want to make sure that your store looks great and making sure that we have the most space possible, like looking for those different opportunities that I think kind of just get lost sometimes. The empathy potentially. Yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. Good at- Another thing is women, I think they play so much, a lot less video games. I think women understand that and guys don't realize that. TV too. Like I know all my girlfriends, we are talking about books we're reading. I don't hear that conversation amongst men often. And like the biggest thing that I have on that is like Lamborghini commercials don't exist because 
the people that own Lamborghinis don't watch TV. So what oh! else are you Oh, that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. That's so, so good. TV and video games, like, oh, well, I can't they're use that. great. That's not what's going to make you money. Where are you going to go from here, you think? We got, we got a couple more questions for you before we let you go. But, like, where do you see yourself kind of down the road? So progression. As far as managed methods goes, yeah. I might move out to Cali since that's oh. my territory. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> that's a great state. I'm, like, loving traveling out yeah. there. I'm going and running a show at the end of this month. Mm -hmm. So get to explore a little bit yeah but i ultimately want to manage closers yep. and then make enough money to retire early <laughs> okay that'd be great too yeah so that's the end goal yeah you'd be a great sales manager thanks caroline you've already what's great is that time served as a, a delivery manager oh. that's going to really come into place when you're managing closers so that was a phenomenal decision on your part to get Thank that experience it definitely was Part of my decision, I was like, how many 24-year-olds have managed a team of 14, eight different clients, and is now a field sales rep? Right. It doesn't happen. And so oh. now when I'm sitting next to my counterpart, maybe we have the same numbers and we're at the top of the leaderboard. I have this experience mm -hmm. on whoever that person is. Man, I'm going to come work for you. When I have my business, yeah. You let me know. <laughs> I can't probably move to California, though, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> You could go back in time to uh, the night before you woke up and went downstairs to the basement. Your first day, <laughs> blue. What advice would you have for yourself, knowing kind of where things are now with everything? Patience. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with people around you. Be patient with your clients. Like we get to memory blue, being sold on this idea that you're going to get this experience and get out. But the longer you stay here, the more you're going to learn in whatever capacity or role that is. And then the patience with yourself is you're going to mess up. You're going to trip up on the phone or even get hung up on. Take a deep breath and move on to the next one. Don't be so hard on yourself. We're all learning. Yeah, we're all learning. Exactly. All of us. All of us. Right? Yes. And I think that's great advice, particularly by People are sometimes in a big rush to get out and go work for the tech company. And that, that's not a bad move, but sometimes you might want to stick around a little bit longer. Totally. Right. For all sorts of reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So be patient with yourself. That's kind of, a, that was the kind of advice to you, to yourself, which is that great. Was, yeah. Right? My daily mantra. Yeah. Right. Like, slow down. The money is coming. It does. Right. We'll get here. Yeah. Excellent work. Well, this has been very, very good session, I think. Chris. Lots of wisdom, very informative, great examples. We appreciate you sharing it all with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No, we appreciate you. We'll do this again down the road. Yeah. Maybe in DC. Maybe in DC, right? Maybe come back for a couple of these, couple of nephews. Yeah. You know, or kids, you know? <laughs> Caroline, you can drive your Lamborghini. Yes. I'll be there in a Lambo. There you go. <laughs>
And you'll do it all surrounded by driven, like-minded colleagues immersed in our award-winning company culture. As your tenure progresses, you will attract a host of career options. This includes moving up internally or venturing out into the tech industry, where tech companies pay a premium for Memory Blue experience. We have immediate openings in our offices from coast to coast. Visit memoryblue.com SDR and apply today. Thanks for listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review after the beep.